0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Maps. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity to get Onyx Maps on your phone, you need to get Onyx Maps on your phone. And I'm going to tell you why. Number one. I am the kind of guy who likes to know where I'm at at all times. And I like to do a lot of running and gunning. So there's times where access is very important for me. Knowing where I was at, knowing how to get to a specific location, especially in the dark of morning or night, getting in and getting out. And the best part for me is that I have GPS on my phone. And Onyx allows you to leave basically breadcrumbs uh, and leave a trail or your access routes on your phone, save those access routes, and then use your GPS going in and out of your tree stand locations every single day. And it's awesome because you won't get lost in the dark. And I use that so much That little portion in itself so much throughout the season that uh, it's probably the most useful function of that app. Now, you can also leave waypoints like where your trail cameras are at, where your tree stands are at, where you see scrapes and rubs or marking trailheads or campsites. This is the perfect app for a do-it-yourself hunter. I mean, really for all hunters, because it allows you to journal your properties that you hunt, right? And uh, the more information you have, the more successful you will be on a yearly basis because you keep gathering data and gathering data and gathering data. And soon you'll see trends in that data and those trends will lead you to hunting more efficiently and becoming more successful in my opinion. So go to onyx.com or wherever you download your apps, pick up Onyx and you can use the discount code NATION20, N-A-T-I-O-N-20 and save 20% off for first-time users. Onyx Maps.
1: Welcome to the Transition Wild podcast brought to you by Expedition Archery. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 57, where we talk hunting, photography, and life with Fred Bone. Hello, and thanks again for tuning in to the Transition Wild podcast, the number one source for Western big game hunting. The holidays are upon us. Christmas time is here. I hope you guys get to spend a lot of time with family open some gifts, have some laughs, drink some beer, eat too much food and just decompress and and rewind. And, and also think about the the past year, you know, um, you know, for me, for as far as hunting goes, it was very, very limited. (laughs) Uh, but I have so much to be thankful for. And it's been probably just the most amazing year of my life with, uh, the, the birth of my, my firstborn child and um, moving and doing some exciting things with the blog and writing and, and continuing the podcast. So that's just really cool to reflect on all that stuff. And hopefully, you guys take the time to do that as well. My guest today is Fred Bohm, and he's a returning guest. I had him on the podcast almost two years ago now. It's been a while. And, um, I don't know why it took so long to have him back on, but I did get a lot of good feedback. Everyone seemed to really enjoy that initial episode with Fred. During this podcast, we don't really talk about anything in particular. We just, I'm just kind of chatting with Fred like I would a, a long-lost buddy, and we're catching up on this past fall's hunt and um, kind of what he's gotten into, some of the animals he's taken, and then we dive into... Talking about, you know, with me being a new dad and, and him involving his kids in the outdoors and, and really kind of introducing them to a lot of cool things and life skills and, and getting them involved with the the bigger picture. Talk about photography, uh, his writing style, a blog. He's a small business owner. And uh, we just talk a lot about that and we talk a little bit about life and, and just, uh, the the meaning of of the world and what it all is it's just it's just really fun it's it's not anything in particular it's more of a BS session but Fred's a really cool guy I look up to him in a lot of ways with his work ethic his his hunting style um, his writing um, just an all around great dude so I hope you guys enjoy this let's not wait any longer let's get Fred Bohm on the line before we begin today's episode is brought to you by Expedition Archery manufacturer of the world's finest archery experience expedition bows combine aerospace level quality innovative designs and a fluid feel serious hunters demand test drive one today at your nearest archery retailer and view their full lineup at expeditionarchery.com why settle for status quo when opportunity and adventure awaits make your next hunt an expedition All right, on the line with us now, Fred Bohm, How are you, man? Not too bad. Adam. Hey, man. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, much, much appreciated. Thanks for taking the time to do it. I was looking at our call log here from from Skype and uh, the original conversation was back in february of 2018 so it's been almost two years i feel bad and we need to do it more often
2: no worries man hey i know how it goes it sounds like you're a uh, a new father at this point so i know how life gets a hold of you and um makes it pretty much impossible to plan anything so
1: it's been a wild wild year so far with moving and remodeling a, a house and an apartment and uh, having the baby come end August it's just been a it's been a circus but I, I wouldn't trade it for anything <laughs> no man it's
2: absolutely awesome as you know complete confusion to your life but it's uh yeah I'm the same I'm I'm with you man I wouldn't trade for the world
1: <laughs> it's amazing and crazy at the same time but it's uh that's life you know absolutely. <laughs> well how that's how was how your thanksgiving
2: it was good. It was real good. Actually, went up with the family to um, went up to the mountains. We went up there for about a week. You know, had Thanksgiving, did that type of stuff. Just kind of hung out and just did a little bit of work. But it was nice to get out of the hustle and bustle of Denver. Um, you know, just kind of get up to the peace and quiet of the mountains and uh, chill out for a little bit. So it was a great Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's always fun when you can get away and eat too much food and, and, uh, take yep. a nap and, 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 uh, decompress a little bit.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, man. Exactly how it went down too. so.
1: <laughs> Always much needed. Um, well, I've been following a lot of stuff on the social media with, with a lot of your hunts and, and, uh, man, you've had a, a jam packed and, and successful fall so far.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I got, uh, you know, I guess lucky, you know, that's, it just it was a managed to get a, bunch of hunts in um you know from western hunting out here denver and then a good bit of of whitetail this year um you know between south dakota uh kansas and then gonna be maybe getting up to nebraska here because i'm kind of chomping at the bit and looking like i got a little bit of time open so
1: yeah you know
2: it's just uh, a good amount of time in the woods so can't complain there
1: yeah this i saw this your first year hunting kansas i've hunted there three years for Whitetail, and, and it's okay. been an absolute blast. Um, how, how has it been for you? Have, you? have you been able to spend a decent amount of time there, has it been kind of sporadic so far?
2: Uh, yes, yeah, i spent a good amount of time there. I think it was two trips, and I did a short scouting trip to begin with. Um, but that gets a little bit tough, as you know, because I'm hunting all public lands, and that walk-in access, you really can't access the properties until uh, pretty much the opener. Yeah. Um, so it was a little bit tough that way trying to figure out where to go. It was more just kind of peeking around. Um, and then two separate trips out there to actually hunt it and it was phenomenal. I mean, everything they they, they say about Kansas I, I think is true. And good <laughs> amount of public land, some bruisers when it comes to deer. Um uh, but the white tail game is relatively new to me. So it was, you know, huge learning curve and luckily I got a, a couple good hunts in this year chasing white so uh I feel like I learned a lot. You know, we could be able to apply it to the next couple of years and, uh, yeah, just continue with the whitetail game.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, it seems, seemed, you know, for me, growing up in Michigan, like that's that's my roots, and obviously you're East Coast, New Jersey. Um, you know, that's tails have been just ingrained in my blood, and that's what I cut my teeth on. And since I moved to Colorado, you know, it's not as much. But um, do you find yourself really starting to – to take on the, the whitetails and it's something new and exciting for you?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think it's just a totally different game than what we do out here, whitetail hunt, or uh, I'm sorry, out here, uh, you know, just whether it be hunting elk, antelope, mule deer, that type of thing. You know, it's just um, kind of after a long season out west here, which I mean, it's kind of crazy. If you're in Colorado like we are if you, and you're an archery hunter, You got September, really, you know, maybe a little bit into August as well, but then your season's kind of done. So if you want to expand it and you want to hunt more than maybe a month, a month and a half, you got to go to other states. So I've kind of turned on a couple of years ago to the whitetail, you know, the Midwest thing and how long their seasons are. So really what it was was a way for me to extend my season um, without having to travel terribly far. And, you know, at first I thought I was going to absolutely hate it because, I mean, I'm a Western hunter at heart. I love to, you know, hike into the backcountry, get into the mountains. Um, But then realize realized it was a totally different game. It was, you know, a different mindset. It was more about patterning animals and... Uh, a, a different type of chess mat match, what I you know really fell in love with, and at the end of a long season of hiking around and, and you know, <laughs> losing a ton of weight in the back country it's kind of nice to sit your butt in a stand sometimes and just breathe it out a little bit. So I found it really nice, like the order you end up doing it, crush it in the beginning of the season with the Western hunting and then just kind of relax in the Midwest, um, chasing whitetails.
1: I love that. Yeah. And and, you know, the cool thing about whitetail, especially Western whitetail hunting, Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, is that you can, you can throw a little bit of a Western, get on your feet, spot and stalk, put on the miles too, you know, but you can also sit those river bottoms and, and, you know, hang a stand and just, just chill out which is like you said it's a breath of fresh air for me because sometimes I just I don't want to hike a mile in you know or I don't want to walk yeah. an hour before I can start hunting I just want to you know sit my ass down in a stand and and, and chill out
2: <laughs> exactly you know and, that's, yeah, and, and like you said I mean you can you can do the western thing when you're out whitetail hunting and I actually I had to do that this year um yeah we had talked about that recent art or you had mentioned that recent article I wrote um about South Dakota some yeah you know what it talked about in there? Some of the crazy flooding that's gone on, and I mean, I don't even think they know what to do there. And some of the areas I went to go scout, um, this was in Kansas as well, so I think they got hit some. But I mean, some of the areas you would typically be, you'd be sitting in a stand. I mean, there were, you know, the, the bottoms were underwater, so there was no way there was deer in there. The mud was insane. Everything was super crazy in the river bottoms. That, you know, it ended up pushing me up higher. I mean. You know, following the deer they were up in the hills a good bit more because they just couldn't access the the river bottoms and you know it turned a um a midwest type hunting into a, a western hunt for sure in no time flat
1: yeah yeah well that's that's always fun and i found myself with with white tails because they are so like they're so jittery and they're so wired and they really never stop moving um i felt like i was able to when I started doing spot and stalk in Kansas with a bow, whitetail hunting, trying to get on a, a, a good buck, I feel like it did help me hone a little bit more of my stalking skills in the mountains for elk or mule deer just because of... I just feel like whitetails have that little extra edge that maybe a yeah. mule deer doesn't, you know? Um, so yeah, that's always that. fun. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think they <laughs> notice movement way better uh, uh, than mule leaves. Like muleys, I think you got... There's some small differences between them when you're stalking, but man, I I think you're right. Once they uh, they could be super jittery, the white tails, and I just feel like they they pick you out so much easier than muleys
1: can. (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, I often find myself, you know, just being that I'm from Michigan. You might not be in the same boat, but uh, I often find myself having this conundrum of if I could only hunt elk and mule deer or whitetail for the rest of my life what would it be like elk in the mountains or whitetails in the west and I, I find myself bouncing back and forth and I can't quite come up with a conclusion do you have like now that you've hunted whitetails and you are really learning that game versus hunting elk or mule deer in the mountains do you do you have a side that you would choose
2: I don't – you know, I think I, I, I fall in that same conundrum that you have there. You know, thank God there's not a guy out there that holds a gun to people's yeah. heads and say you only have one animal to, to chase for the rest of your life because uh, that would be a tough choice. And, I, you know, I think I just like the different species for different reasons. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I love chasing antelope in the, in the way beginning of the season because it really gets my – stalking skills honed in because you don't have a lot you know you're out there crawling a ton there's not much cover you know i mean elk for a totally different reason because you could have a screaming match with them and you're calling this out on the land and the adrenaline rush of that is just completely different than say antelope and then mule deer in the super high country in the early season when they're still in velvet you know you're you're above tree line and you're hunting some of the most beautiful country they're you know known to man it's just it's stunning out there, and they're, they're such cool animals, and when they're in velvet, they look massive, and they have a cool thing going to them, and then whitetail, for a totally different reason, it's kind of how we said, you know, it's more of a little bit of a chess match, and figuring out when they're going to come through, and, and you know, and, and trying to nail that rut just perfect, and, and uh, making sure you're in the right place at the right time, I mean, it's, they all have their, their pluses, their minuses, and yeah, there's no way, there's no way in hell I could choose just one, it's impossible. <laughs>
1: i'm the same way and and when i moved out to colorado like i didn't really think of it at the time but after you know you think of colorado elk mule deer you know mountain hunting that sort of thing but it's also like a very central state or really not that far away from a lot of good whitetail hunting that's what i loved about it i mean it's five hour drive you know from where i lived. It's a, it's a five hour drive to Kansas. It's an eight hour drive to Oklahoma. It's an eight hour drive to Nebraska. Um, Eastern Colorado's got some good whitetails as well. So it's like very centrally located for that as well. So that's what's cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think we live in a very lucky spot out here in Colorado. You know, I mean, you had anywhere pretty much east, you know, northeast, southeast, anywhere from. Eat the Denver. I'm going to say it's uh, you know we're, we're, you're in a whitetail mecca out there, and then you could just get right into the mountains here and chase the rest of the animals. So I, I think we're pretty lucky. You know I, I don't know that all states. I mean I know uh, Wyoming's got some, and eastern Wyoming and Montana's got some, um, but no, I think we're we're really lucky living out here in Colorado.
1: For sure. So the the state or the, the first hunt you started off with is here in Colorado, right? You were you were doing some antelope.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I was out chasing antelope. Um how that, you know, that starts it went well. I, I, I kind of I got I saw a, a two really, really nice ones that may have been around eighty inches, so I kinda got obsessed. You know, I I'd done well the last couple of years with antelope and it, you know, my goal this year was to kinda put a big guy down it was 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 in my head, so I was being a little bit a little bit silly with that, getting a little bit picky, um but thats you know that's just how it is sometimes. So that one well, I saw a bunch of great ones. I had a ton of stalls early season, but ended up, you know, with a, a tag that was not filled. but yep, you know, that's not everything. it was it was a ton of fun though, and put a bunch of days into that. so uh, it was a great tip. way to start off the season, yeah, yeah. then you know, after that, I jumped into um, my mule deer hunt, my high country hunt for that, and that took up a good part of September and really only got to go out on an elk hunt for. What did I get in? I think it was like three, maybe four days all together for elk. So it really turned in a lot to the, the the antelope putting a lot of time into that and then that mule deer hunt. Luckily on the mule deer hunt I uh I was managed to get a good one. Um
1: Yeah, it was a great deer. Velvet Yeah, too. it
2: was cool. It was cool. It was, you know, it was love those hunts and uh it just one of those that just turned out perfect and uh Guy offered me a you know a great shot and uh, it was well within my effective range and um, it was just you know, I went down in the in the craziest storm I think I was ever involved and in. I mean it was thunder lightning hail by the time I got done butchering him I mean my underwear was soaked I was wet, my boots were just overflowing with water and I'm standing out there trying to butcher this deer and you know, I'm by myself and. Took a couple trips to hike this guy out, but it was it was pretty epic and a and a hell of a lot of fun. So I,
1: I saw that from the photos. There's there's one there in the article that you're uh, like it's it's literally hailing and 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 that that photo captures it very well.
2: <laughs> it was brutal. Yeah, it was it was gnarly. I mean, I had rain gear. It didn't even matter. I just stripped it all off. I'm like, the hell with it. Everything is just dressed <laughs> to the core. It just It was brutal, but you know, that's what makes it so much fun, especially looking back type two fun when you're doing it, you're screaming and cursing at yourself. Why the hell you did it? And you know, but then afterwards you look back and like, that was pretty epic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that is really cool. And, um, it, it, it does that type of hunt i mean are, are you the type of guy that's saving up years and years and years of points and, and then burning them or are you kind of trying to do some a mule deer hunt every year or maybe save up a couple points and then try to do a hunt what did what did that structure look like as far as the draw for that tag
2: no luckily you know being in staters we could usually draw a tag every year you know especially if like Famous units that people, I definitely don't do that, man. I, I try to hunt as much as possible. Um, so I usually could get a tag with zero or one points. And I jump units for sure. I'm, I'm one of those guys that doesn't have, like, this set plan and, like, you know, this one area. And, and I know that, that, could, that could hurt my success for sure. And I, I don't suggest that to everybody. But um, just kind of this, I don't know, a half of, or half of hunting for me is really the exploration as well. So the area I went this year was different than, you know, the previous years. And so I jump around a good bit, but I'm always looking for, you know, a unit that you at least had a chance to get with zero points. Yeah. Um. So that's how that one went. I think I, I might've had one with that one. I don't think I, no, I did hunt mule deer the year before. I, I wasn't able to pull a tag. So I had one point going into that. So that was, you know, a hundred percenter. But no, I I typically don't save a ton of points. I try to hunt as much as I can every year. I think there's a lot, you know, there's a misnomer where a lot of people believe that there's this magical one unit that they need to go to, and there's going to be 200-inch deer running everywhere. You know, they're going to be hitting them with their truck on the drive-in type of thing, and I, I just don't... You know, with Colorado, we're, we're in the mule deer factory out here. There's, I think every unit holds a pig. Oh, yeah. There's a big guy, and so it's... I, I, I don't, I don't really see it as, you know, just saving up for a a specific unit or two you know i I think we could do pretty well just jumping about just pretty much getting in anywhere
1: yeah yeah and i you know i've i've been saving my mule deer points for the last like four or five years since i've been out here and i i just i'm just thinking about it it's like i i don't want to be the guy that saves it up for 15 years and burns it on like this mega unit or whatever like i I think I need to find a, a a unit that I can burn it on, maybe four to five points for a resident, and you know, then start doing like what you're doing, jumping around, doing some high country stuff, whatever, just to just to get the turns in, you know. Yeah, and I think that's huge too. You know, with you know, there's a wind creep going on these days. You just
2: don't know it, you know. And by for elk, I've just been hunting OTC, um, and I have been saving some points for a specific unit, but I mean, it's. I don't know that it's that I'll ever be able to obtain it because it seems like every single year another point gets added to it of what you need. The it's points have been so crazy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm debating the same thing whether I just burn that those points and then try to go for an every other year here in Colorado for elk um, with the draw unit. Um, it's tough. It's tough in Colorado with with the way they structured our our point system and. Um, but it just is what it is, and you, and you you play the game, right? I mean, yeah. that's just kind of how that works out. So.
1: Exactly, exactly. So you did the pronghorn, you did the mule deer, and then what was your first whitetail hunt of the year?
2: Uh first whitetail was actually going out to Kansas the first time.
1: Okay. Um, went
2: out there, didn't get I got a doe. Um, and that was just kind of more exploring. Just get you know you get a doe and a buck. Uh, and that was just kind of exploring the areas. Was able to put down a doe and just get some meat in the freezer. So that was the first one and then came back and then not too long after that went up and I go up with some buddies up to uh South Dakota and went up there for about I think it was six days and got a deer there but then you know I kept hearing rumors that the rut was full on down in Kansas so I kind of had to excuse myself from up there <laughs> once <laughs> I got a deer I'd be like man I got it. you know I got this tag burn a hole in my pocket down in Kansas the rut is on full swing down there so then at that point, headed back down to Kansas to uh, to continue on hunting. So that was about I think it was on the road for about nine days altogether, somewhere about there. Very cool. Yeah, between those two hunts. So yeah, yeah, it was rad.
1: And and what is what is your lodging situation look like? Are you setting up a tent, camping out of your truck, or you grabbing a hotel room? What do you do on those hunts? Good old, good old back of the truck. It's awesome, perfect. I guess
2: just yeah. got a cap in there. And then what you can do in a lot and what's super cool about a lot of these um um Midwest towns is a lot of them have like a little city park where they have electric there, they got bathrooms, like the full on it I mean, it's I mean usually about just, ten bucks a night or maybe even cheaper in some of the little towns. And what I do is I just bring, in, you know, an extension cord and a little electric heater. Um, you know, set up my, my typical my sleeping bag, my uh, um like a nice mat in the back, nice and thick, you know, to sleep on. And then just run that heater all night back there and, you know, a power strip where you can recharge everything, your Onyx, your, you know, Damn God dear. knows what, a ton of electronics that make their, what, yeah, just endless, all the stuff that makes it into the woods with us these days. But, yeah, so then you get just sleep in the back of the truck. And, I mean, it is super warm. It could be a brutal, brutal night out. But, you know, with that little heater, that just keeps that, you know, the back of the truck plenty warm, Um so they make it super easy. You don't need to spend a ton of money. Uh, you know, I, I have a tough time justifying to the family. I mean, I got little kids and you know, family to take uh, take care of. I mean, the tags are expensive enough. I just can't really justify staying in a hotel. So, uh, you know, boom, back of the truck does the trick.
1: <laughs> well, I think I think hotel kind of cuts in on the experience. Like, if you're going with some buddies and you're doing like a hunting trip like hunting camp feel like if you can find you can find like a cabin or you know something that's a little bit more rustic like that's cool but i tell you what when i did that solo hunt to uh oklahoma last fall camping out of the back of the truck had a truck you know topper with a air mattress in the back and sleep bag cooking you know cooking there just that that was my life that was my world and i could go wherever i wanted that was just it was honestly just the coolest thing so i I love that you do that as well
2: yeah and it keeps you super mobile which is nice because like if you're in an area and you're like man this just really isn't cutting it and then you got a hotel for you know like a week or something and you're like well no i'm based out of here no you could just kind of use the. You got a little mobile command unit there, just rip it around in the truck, and you stay as close as you can to the area you're hunting. And I, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a, it's a great way to go.
1: Very cool, very cool. So, any more whitetail hunting in late season? You're gonna head back to Kansas at all? Any other states? Well,
2: Kansas I'm tagged out, so I can't go there. I Can't go to South Dakota, but have been debating. Um, I got a little bit of time next week open and you know i think the wife's getting tired of me being around the house already so (laughs) she's kind of encouraging it to yeah, you maybe had a couple days out in nebraska could be that one that's an otc tag and um you can just pick it up any time of the year you know 10 days or a a day before the hunt type of thing yeah um so i'll do i I may end up doing that next week or i just may end up you know staying and being responsible and doing some work (laughs) here in denver yeah because That's otherwise okay. I mean yeah I, I January I'll be back out to uh Arizona and got a couple other hunts planned this spring.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to ask and, you about that. The summer. Yeah, I was going to yeah. ask you you're going so you are going to do the uh Arizona mule deer you're going to do the 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 pig as well? Well, I'm a
2: knucklehead, and I forgot to apply in time for the uh, uh, javelina. the javelina. Yeah, so I missed that. And then the unit I usually go to, it didn't have any leftovers. But there are some leftovers where uh, not too far from where I hunt. So I may pick one of those tags up, but really just concentrate on the coos and um, and mule deer. Nice. Uh, but Yeah, so since I got one last January, I couldn't go this December. So you only get one deer a year in uh, Arizona as an uh, out-of-stater. Maybe in state or two, I don't know. Um, so I couldn't go this December, but yeah, January that resets because they're on the calendar year for theirs. Got and,
1: it. Um, I remember you saying that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yep. So that's that, that's one of my favorite hunts of the year too. So when it starts getting miserable here, it's freezing cold. Boom, jump down to the desert, and you're in a t-shirt hunting animals. So <laughs> I
1: love that. I
2: love that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So definitely, yep. That hunt will be in there.
1: Very cool. Very cool. If you had to pick. Your favorite hunt from this past fall, what which which one would that be?
2: From past fall. Um that's a tough one. I'd probably say to the old deer because I, I don't know, I just love the country. But the, you know, above tree line stuff in the mountains. Um, I don't know, but Kansas was you know, that was that was the biggest whitetail I'd shot so far, so that was super cool and how that went down. Um I don't know. How how do you answer a question? Like They're all
1: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, that's that's cool. You, you get such a wide variety of stuff and and it sounds like you've had a hell of a fall so far and that's awesome, man. It sounds like a, a really great time.
2: Yeah, no it was And uh yeah, just looking to continue it.
1: <laughs> heck yeah. Heck yeah. So we we talked a little bit about it when we first jumped on the the podcast here, but you know, I'm I'm a new dad this this past August and uh it really cut down on my archery time this fall for sure. <laughs> Bad timing on my part, yeah. but I'm looking for I'm so looking forward to getting him out, you know, when he gets obviously gets a little older, but like what's that like for you? I know you got a couple young kids and, you know, I, I've seen from some of your pictures and articles you're starting to get them involved and taking them with you on some hunts and getting them outside. Yep. Like how cool is that? It's
2: but, awesome. I mean, it's a totally Totally different game. Like, you know, hunting, it's typically, I mean, it's it's a selfish sport. It's just all about, you know, us as individuals going out there and and seeking these animals out. But when you start incorporating your kids into it, it's it's really cool to see them, like, see them light up. I mean, I got a two- and a four-year-old, and we started out, gosh, it was last year. It was the first real hunt we took them out on. And, I mean, they had been out like feds and hunting, but we went into the mountains and went grouse hunting. You know, I, I'd work the dogs, have a little one on my back. Uh, Greta, our youngest, um, have her on my back. And then, you know, I'd work the dogs. My wife would take the shotgun. and my other little guy would be running around my feet. And they got to see the full experience, you know, to go out there and, and, and the dogs working and that you got to work for your food. And then they saw the saw grouse, you know, shot out, you know, out of a tree because i wanted them to experience the whole thing wing shooting really wasn't going to happen with little kids running around but i don't know it was super cool for them to see the experience from beginning to end and i was kind of blown away by how how naturally they took it if that makes sense like yeah. they, they weren't like oh this is weird and there's a dead animal and then we're going to eat this thing like it just seemed like you know my son picked it up and wanted to pet the feathers and then he was so excited to go back to the campsite and cook it up like it was super cool to see, and and to involve somebody that, you know, you're, you're shaping their future, it's, I don't know, it's, it's one of the coolest things I could do, and I try to incorporate them in as much as possible, and I took my son this year on a, um, I had some buddies who got a rifle tag, and I was going to go up and help him uh, for cow elk, and took him along, and um, he got to experience the full thing, he got to see the, uh, his, you know, see some elk, and watch my buddies take a shot at it, and completely whiff. So we also learned that hunting isn't an automatic, that is, you know, it's it's a tough thing to do and you had to hike a good bit and, uh, it's good, but it's, it's, it's trying to find that line of getting them out there, pushing them a little bit so they know it's hard work and what's involved in it, but also not, you know, okay, we're going eight miles into the back country, get your shit together. Here we go. You know, yeah. and he, you know what I mean? Like you want them to have fun. You want it to be a great experience for them, So, uh, you know it's it's trying to find that fine line of um you know making it tough enough for them that they understand that but then also that that they really enjoy themselves
1: yeah yeah exactly and that's important and, and i think it's cool i mean you know to be that young and, and already getting them involved i think i think the sooner the sooner the better right like cuz you yeah. start them off really young like that then it does it is a natural thing it is part of their life it's not like okay we're we're 15 i've got my hunter safety now let's let's go out and hunt and 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 along the way i'm sure there's just a lot of good life lessons that can come out of hunting and being outside too so that's pretty neat yeah
2: i agree you know and i think at this age really i mean the way i usually explain it um when i have to explain this to family and they think we're crazy for doing it but but, i mean at this age what we're doing is that we're defining their normal you know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah. it, it
2: feels normal to them. Like, this is what we do. We go out into the woods. We camp. We, we work for our food. And, and it's not just going to a grocery store and picking something out of cellophane. Like, there's a life involved that we're taking here. Like, getting them to understand that at an early age, or at least see it and experience it in some way, I, it is going, I, I absolutely, it's going to believe it's going to define them and it becomes their normal. So, that's like you're setting the bar right now about what life is. Yeah, and what to expect out of it and you know they, they'll get into it later on or they won't you know it just it depends how it is but at least right now they get the experience and they get to see it and i, I agree i think at the younger age you know i think back like what did the native americans do they didn't coddle their children at, you know <laughs> two and four years old and say hey you know like no they they, they were involved in everything as well because they had to for survival so i i I don't know. That's at least what I'm doing. Hopefully I don't screw something up along the way and <laughs> I could be wrong, but that's the way we're handling
1: it. No, that's that's badass. That's that's really cool. Um have have you have you got the oldest one into, you know, shooting like a, a little toy bow yet? Or are they familiar with weapons and shooting or not quite there yet?
2: Are you kidding me, man? I just had my both my son and my daughter before this call. They were chasing me with their little bow, and then we have our. <laughs> so I say, yeah, they're these little plastic bows, you know, with suction cups on the end. And, I mean, we have, uh, you know, our poodle pointer in the house, and he's terrified. He's laying under my desk because they're chasing him thinking they're hunting, you know. <laughs> we're going to hunt Breaker. We're going to hunt Breaker. So, then, you know, this dog's terrified, and he actually brought his bow out, you know, when we went out and did the elk hunt, and he was telling my buddies, he's like, well, I'll shoot him first with my bow, and then you can shoot him with your gun. And I'm like, all right, see how
1: this works, bud. But, <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah,
2: no, they're they're involved in it, you know, and, and also that we do own a, uh, um, you know, a sage and breaker, which makes firearm cleaning products. So, you. They're aware, you know, they're aware of firearms They're aware of what we do to whatever extent that a two and a four year old can. But now they're involved with it. They understand it, you know, and we work through the safety stuff with them. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's part of their life.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. Very cool. And, and like you said, and I've seen from some of the pictures, it looks to be like your wife, you know, is very involved in the outdoors and goes on some of the trips and hunts with you
2: yeah yeah she does she's really into and i get it she's not into the backcountry stuff she's like "The hell with that you know that's your thing you go do that and i get it it's it's, it's honestly it's not that much fun when you're doing it sometimes <laughs> so she's, she's probably smarter than i am but no she's really into the upland game um we're going to be going in you know uh, by the end of december we're going to head out and do some uh, some quail hunting and you know with the kids and all so yeah she's real into that side of things as well
1: very cool very cool I want to talk to you about some of the photography stuff because I think over the past year or so, you've you've done a really cool series on on your website and um, called the photography series photography series and. I just think it's I think it's really neat and and obviously you're a very talented uh, photographer but um, you've kind of put together this series that uh, I think there's like five or six parts even um, starting with kind of the basics and then also getting into some more advanced levels. Um, talk to us a little bit about that because I think I think we can all do a better job. I I know I can and I'm proving. Photos not only for just the, the the quality of remembering the moment, but also how we portray hunting a, a, in a bigger picture to maybe somebody who's not familiar with this lifestyle. So um, I want to talk a little bit about, or you know, pretty good detail about the photography series, and I guess just give us the rundown and you know what it's about.
2: Yeah, sure. No, I mean honestly, the, the reason it started in the beginning is because I was getting you know just a couple questions, um, and they seem to be the same questions over and over from people. Yeah, you know, just curious about you know, certain photos I'd either taken and how to do it, or you know, just what would you suggest for a new photographer, whether it came to actual equipment. How much do you focus on equipment as compared to um, some other things? And usually, what I suggest at that point is just get out there and shoot as much as possible. I don't care if it's with your iPhone, anything. You'll you'll learn a lot from it. But this curious, was kind of I, I put this together just to break down the stuff I learned through photography what i think makes a cool picture um how you could force your viewer to see things that you wanted to see and and get rid of the um the unimportant stuff within the scene how to tell a story through a still image because that's what i really dig i mean i i have a background in video motion graphics all that type of stuff um but i don't know i'm really attracted to just a single image trying to tell a story through that we don't have a voiceover to kind of you know, push the story along. We don't have music to set the mood. You know, we, we have very, we have one frame to work with to tell a full story. And I think that's really cool and it's a hell of a challenge to do. Um, so that's what really attracted me to photography. And I, I kind of want to help some people along that had questions about that, um, how to possibly improve their photography. And so that's where the series came from. Um you know, I try to make the first one just keep kind of simple. Give you some ideas when you go out there, some things you should try to do, some things you should try to avoid. How to think of, um, how to think about, you know, when you're looking, when you're looking at a scene, like what to do to compose that shot, how to, t- you know, work with telling the story through it. So it was basic in the beginning, and then it got a little bit more detail as it goes along, and a little bit more specific. Where the first part of the series is kind of an overview. And then I start delving into each individual thing. And then, yeah, six parts so far. I know i got to do at least one more. I've been getting a lot of questions on post-production. okay? Um, so I'm pro- I'll probably do a video for that because it's a lot easier to jump in the Lightroom, you know, show people what buttons I'm clicking and which sliders I'm moving in order to get my specific style that I like. Um, and you know, I think it's a great way sometimes to go out and replicate people that you – like, I, I look up to a ton of photographers and – In the beginning, I was replicating, you know, oh, how do they get this certain tone or this feeling out of the image? And, you know, you kind of go in there and then eventually you kind of find your own style um, and what you like best. So I don't think there's anything wrong in the beginning, like mimicking people. Um, But this would just give them a basic breakdown of post-production. So I don't know, the whole series just kind of, it's it's rather in depth, so it's hard to talk to any specific thing. And if you have a question on a specific thing, we have, we definitely go through it. But yeah, that's kind of the overview of it.
1: Yeah, no, like it's it's like the perfect, it's like the perfect balance of like real life and and showcasing a lot of the image, but it also goes into a good amount of detail and shows you specific examples on like how to do certain things, like you know, uh, motion blur or depth of field and. You know f- where to position and, and and to frame um a certain uh object in a in a photo and then also landscape and it just just a lot of good stuff and then you also talk about your camera gear and 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 you know what specific gear you use so it's like very it's just very well written and then it also gives very very good amount of detail on how you do specific things so i think that's really cool
2: well awesome no i'm glad it was helpful and yeah it's kind of kind of the point behind it and i think you know there's there's a ton of tutorials out there on photography post-production all that stuff but i definitely aim this more towards hunters you know like there's specific things out in the field that you know we only we could capture you know whether it's shooting a bow or a gun or whatever this is you know but it just kind of gives you an idea how to kind of cater a lot of the other stuff that's out there but specific to uh hunters
1: yeah yeah So that
2: was also the idea behind it yeah
1: i like that when when did you first really started I know you've you've done it as a professional career, videography and, and all that stuff, but when did you really get into more of the hunting photography?
2: Uh, really when I got into hunting, uh, again, you know, like again, on the East Coast when I was a young guy, I uh, I hunted there, but I think I'm about, as a West Coast hunter, I'm trying to remember the first, it was to the limit, probably about eight years, I always get this wrong, but somewhere about eight years <laughs> nice. I've been really, really back into it again, um, and it was a slow start, mm-hmm. You know, it was, I don't know, I wasn't shooting as many pictures in the beginning, but it just just built up, and it built up, and then all of a sudden it became as important to me as part of the hunt, and maybe it was also through the blog, um, you know, that really got me fired up again to start uh, getting out there and really composing pictures, not just snapping shots, but starting to think of stuff, think of how I wanted to compose a picture um, for a specific article or, or whatever it might be, or for, you know, certain hunts, so. I'd, I'd say probably about four years ago I started really taking it serious again, the photography side of things.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's really cool. And I think I remember you posting on social media, or maybe it was one of your articles, but like, just I think just having you said something along the lines of like, good photography is just having having it with you at all time, like having your camera on you at all times because you never know what's going to come up, you know? And, and I think, I think about that all the time. It's like, yeah, I could leave the camera home or, you know, but now I find myself just keeping it in my truck, you know, if I'm driving around, what's cool about Colorado. I mean, you drive anywhere in the mountains and there's a freaking, you know, giant mule deer standing on the side of the road. It's like, man, I want to take a picture of that. Or there's bighorn sheep, you know, on the side of a cliff or whatever it may be, but just having it with you is... It makes all the difference in the world, and I think some people just forget that. It's like, oh, i got to do a specific photo shoot, and i got to go out and plan a certain time where I'm going to go take photos. It's like, no, just have it with you, and whatever pops up, you never know what will happen.
2: Exactly. No, I think that is probably – if there's one thing that a person could do to start increasing – Obviously, the amount of photos sort of, they have available for them to work with, but also, you know, getting great shots is just constantly having that with you. Being part A and then part B would be, without a doubt, anytime you see anything that you think is cool, never make an excuse in your head like, nah, whatever, I'll get it next time. There's no such thing as next time with photography. The lighting might not be the same, you know, whatever's going on, whatever thing you're taking a picture of might not be there next time. So, always, always, like, yeah, have a camera with you. And make sure if you see anything that's even semi-interesting, stop your truck, whatever it may be. If you're hiking, whatever's going on, stop and make sure you just take that picture. Make a habit of that because then it just gets easier and easier as you go down the line. Like my camera is always, always with me. There's you know rarely a time I leave the house without having that with me.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and do you find yourself? Are you switching between a lot of different lenses, or is is there kind of like a go-to lens that you have for that covers ninety percent of your stuff? Like, wh- what does that look like?
2: Yeah, I go. I'd say I say it mostly goes between three lenses right now. Um, one of them being like a wide angle. It's like a sixteen to thirty-five. Uh, That's for very specific things. And then I got a one of my favorites is my eighty-five millimeter prime. You know, if I could, and I, and I had the room and the strength in the backcountry, I would carry just all prime lenses because I think they just, they take so much better pictures uh, and a prime being in case people don't know, it's just one set uh, focal length, like 85 millimeters, 50 millimeters, 14, whatever it may be. Got it. It's just that it's not a zoom, you know, I think because what with typically with resumes towards the end of where it zooms or it zooms out or zooms in, it, it could get a little bit squirrely and the picture's not quite as crisp.
1: Mm. So yeah. I have
2: that one. I, I love that lens, all product photography, just about to do with that. Um, you know any kind of close-ups with with people, any kind of portrait-type photography. I try to use that lens, and then the other one that is just the most versatile. I got a, uh, a seventy to three hundred, and that's getting in. You know, for animals, you know, wildlife photography, or if you really want to close um, the distance between the background and the foreground. Uh, I'll use that. I'll use a longer focal length to do just that. Like, say you're taking a picture of an archer and you want to suck those mountains in so they feel nice and close in the background. Yeah. Then you're going to use a longer focal length, and then I'll use that lens. So between those three lenses, and that's up on the site too. If people are curious about, um, you know, what specific uh, camera gear that I'm using. I, I got a separate page completely on the on the blog that t- will tell you that and what those individual ones do. And a great way for people to think about it—they go into it and like, "Well, which I wish spend my money on?" There's a great saying: it kinda, it's, "It's date the body, marry the lens." For so the bodies <laughs> of the cameras, I'll buy the older version. It doesn't matter as much to me. Like the, the last model for the body of the camera, it doesn't quite as matter as much. But then the lenses—that's really where you're going to get the quality out of uh, out of your photos. Is you know, I'll buy a lens, and typically I'll hold on to that thing forever.
1: Yeah, yeah. So got it. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I'll uh, you know, I'll definitely post well, you'll have a link posted on after the this gets published or posted, but um yeah, everybody listening, you definitely got to check it out if you're halfway interested in photography. It's definitely a great resource to get started with. For sure. Um I want to talk a little bit about your writing style. You know, I've I've been following the blog for for a long time and and I've just always really enjoyed um uh, just the articles and the way you structure things and like the unique perspective that you have it's not it's not just like telling of a hunt and like oh I parked a truck here and I walked up the mountain here and you know this deer was bedded over here it, it's not I mean it, you incorporate the hunt but you always have some sort of like unique angle or like a uh, like a reference or some higher meeting in, in a lot of it not always but like I don't know I just where does how have you developed a your writing style is it just over the years, you're just kind of honing it and 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 reading different things, trying different things. But it, I guess where did it all begin, and and how do you get to where you're at now?
2: Um, honestly, I I started the blog some years back, and it was honestly when the, when when the kids were born, when my firstborn was born, and I I wanted to have something like that could kind of look back. how their dad did this, and they and they had. They could see the emotion at the time, and I think that's a lot of things we lose. And some of the articles I read within hunting, it doesn't tell the emotion about it. It, it, It's more like this happened and this happened in chronological order. And you know, I want to thank God and my family. Like I get all that stuff, but it just it didn't have any feeling to me. So when I started writing, I'm like, I'm just gonna write like what I'm getting when I'm out there, and the the animal and the if I happen to kill one, that it's gonna become secondary. Because thing is like I, the, one of the main reasons I like the solo hunt is it's just it's like this soul searching time. Like you, there's nobody, you're not talking to anybody, and your mind's just going absolutely bananas on you. <laughs> um, you know, like it's it's all the craziness that goes on in your life, and you know all the things that we we typically go through as humans and the debates we have and why are we here and you know all this silliness that goes on is all this real. You know, blah blah blah, on and on. Like that's the stuff I think of when I'm out there by myself so i wanted to incorporate that into the um into my stories so i could look back and if i had you know read it and i'm an old man and i forgot my whole life and i wanted to see what i did as a younger guy <laughs> i wouldn't just see the hunts and what animals i killed but how i was feeling at the time and you know the human element to it not just uh, the 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 play by play so i guess it just started like that i never realized it would be a certain style and i've you know i've heard that a couple times from several people that, you know, there's a style to it. I never realized that there was a style to it. I just kind of, I just wrote how I how I thought. Yeah. Type of thing. So the yeah. grammar is terrible. So anybody who reads it, the grammar is absolutely horrible. And <laughs> in some ways it's meant to be, I mean, you're never going to see so many one word sentences in your life, but I don't know. It just I, I wanted people to kind of read how I was thinking, you know, at the time when I wrote it. So whatever. So that yeah. was just kind of it. And I don't, I don't know. That, that's all there ever was to it, and you know, I don't, I don't take it overly seriously. But it's kind of just like an outlet, just uh, you know, write what you're thinking at the time.
1: Yeah, I love it. It's just, it's very enjoyable to read, and and a, a good part of a story, but also, you know, a lot of times the deeper meaning as well. Like like the recent one with the the South Dakota Whitetail. Um, you know, in the title it references without a glitch. And um, talk to us specifically about that article because I thought that was really brilliant and and how like you're you're hunting but you're in this world and then the world is like operating as is and you know is the sun going to come up as a but and then you kind of pull back out like talk to us a little bit about that article i just think it's really really neat
2: i think it was just something i was thinking through the time again i'm i'm alone in the hills there and just kind of sitting and watching you know, I, I went in really early um mm-hmm. I had known that there, there was a feeding area up high on top of the, the, the hills, these bluffs. The animals would go up there and then they would work their way down to their bedding area. So I decided to go in. I mean, it was plenty dark. I had probably had an hour till any type of light whatsoever. And I'm just sitting there and I don't know. I'm just looking out. and It just felt I think it's, it's this constant conundrum. And I think it's most humans, but I think it, it, it digs really deep with me for some reason. But it's just coming to terms with our own uh, mortality. You know, if, if this all really doesn't make sense, um, are we really here? You know, is this just a – are we in a, in a game type of thing that somebody else is playing? You know, <laughs> interactions with other human beings. Like what does it what does it all mean? Like I don't know. Yeah. So that's just where my head was at. I don't think it's 24-7, but that's where my head was at at the time. And, you know, I'm just kind of looking out there, and I'm like, well, what happens if there is a glitch? And all of a sudden I'm not really hunting at all, and I'm being hunted or – God knows what you know. The, the sun doesn't come up. That's all just a big joke. that, You know, this this system's playing on us. So I don't know. My, my head kind of got crazy with it. I wrote that and I put that in there, but um, I don't know. That, that was the thought behind it. And I just kind of let that let the thought just vomit itself onto uh, onto my word processor.
1: I think that's really cool because, like, especially when I'm hunting, you you do whitetail hunting for sure. You do have a lot of just downtime on your hands and, and i do like yourself um find myself just thinking about all sorts of crazy things and you think about okay we're just a just a rock floating in space and then you know with that it's like well what is what is every i mean it, it just you, you do go down those rabbit holes and i just think it's it's unique and, it, and it's cool at the same time that you were able to incorporate like a deeper. Meaning like that into the actual hunt, so like it's just it's a very cool dynamic. I love it.
2: Appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. i thank you.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Well, cool, man. Well, what's uh what's all been going on with Sage and Breaker? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I know we, from the previous episode we we talked about it quite a bit, but you know, give us the rundown on on Sage and Breaker. Maybe some new new stuff you've come out with. What's what's the rundown, man?
2: Well, we're you know growing it. Um trying to grow it to a certain point where we can still manage it. Cause we, you know, we're a small company. I definitely want to keep it that way. Um, you know, I really did get into it. And it, for those who don't know what it is, sorry, maybe I should just clarify that. But again, I said it a little bit earlier, but we make firearm cleaning products for particularly, you know, high-end firearms, like stuff that I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I do some gun hunting. I do a heck of a lot of bow hunting. Um, I'm not, I've never been attached to a single bow I've owned my guns are a totally different story. There's a legacy attached to them. I had it, you know, on my father's deathbed, he gave me uh, one of his guns. And, you know, there's, there's a lot attached to these firearms. I have my grandfather's, you know, 22 Magnum that I used to shoot groundhogs with and with. So that it became a very important part of my life. And so what I decided to do was make really high-end firearm cleaning products to keep these guns around me handed down through the generations. So, you know, we make our version of like a boar snake. Uh, you know, we make these really high-end gun mats that are like leather, wool, wax canvas—just really nice stuff that's as pretty as the guns that lay on them. So we're, we've been building. We've been we've been adding a bunch of new products. We're coming out with a really high-end grease. We're um, we're, we're going to be getting into firearm cases, that type of thing. Um, but you know, still trying to manage it and keep it small enough where. I can individually or my wife to talk to the customers if there's any issues or if there's any questions, yeah. we can handle it. I don't want it to get wonky and, you know, then all of a sudden it becomes, I don't know, a company that doesn't care. It's an important part. Hunting is such a huge part of my life and the people involved in hunting are a huge part of my life. Like, I don't know. I want to feel that I can serve them with this company in some way and yeah. make sure I take care of them at the same time.
1: 100%. 100%. So uh, you, you, you exclusively sell online correct?
2: Yeah. 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 We're not going to do the retail thing. It's they, they No, Yeah. no,
1: we're, we're, we're going to stay online. <laughs> that's a whole nother headache. Strictly.
2: <laughs> it, is, it is. It's just one I don't want to get into. And, you know, cause then somebody else is dealing with your customer service and they can't explain it as well as I can. And I don't know. I like, maybe I'm a control freak who knows what it is, but I just like being able to talk directly to my customers yeah. and online's the best way of going about it.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really cool. And, um, so like what like what are some of the more po- Don't you have like a popular like cleaning kit that's that's pretty popular like your like your bestseller? Like what what are some of your best selling products? Maybe you know for the for the average gun hunter, upland bird hunter, shotgun hunter, rifle hunter. Like what what's a good uh, product that's pretty popular among your clients?
2: Well, I think what's necessary, it goes from what's absolutely necessary, and then it gets a little bit more extravagant, you know, depending on how, how into it you are. But I think, you know, a bore cleaning kit, absolutely necessary. You need that to clean out the, you know, the, the bore of your gun. You could just get a rag from anywhere, you know, wipe down the outside. But between a bore cleaning kit, and which is specific to your gauge or caliber, and our CLP, which is a clean lube and protect, it's a solvent that'll break down all the all the gunk in there, you know, your carbon, whatever other particles that are in there, to help break that down, and then it lubricates it as well. So it's kind of an all-in-one with that. So I say between the the bore cleaning kit and the CLP, absolutely necessary. We have a, um, you know, we have brushes, picks that come in a set that you know you can get in there and really get to the, the small areas to help break it, you know, break down the carbon, whatever it is, brush it away, that type of deal. And then um, you know we have Gosh, I mean, we have swabs, pipe cleaner-style things, um, and then our, our our gun mat is definitely one of the most popular things. That allows you to lay the gun out. It's got all these pockets in it that you can keep all your cleaning products with, and then it rolls off so you can chuck it in the back of your truck. You know, clean your guns at the end of the day on the tailgate or you know, out in your shop, whatever you want to do. But it's a way of organizing all of your gun cleaning products and be, giving you a surface to clean your firearms on, uh, that'll both protect the surface and the gun itself.
1: I love it. I love it. Very cool. So what's, uh, what's coming down the pipe for the holiday season? And, and I know you're doing some hunting, like you said, in Arizona and, and you know, some other stuff coming up, but are you going to try to hit any shows, doing any traveling? What's, what's, what's next on tap for Fred?
2: Well, January is going to definitely be Arizona. Um, February and, and a good bit of, uh, Upland I'll be doing it in January as well. In February, we're actually gonna be out in Fez and Fest with and Breaker. Cool. Uh, we'll be out there in, in Yup Yup Minneapolis. And then towards the spring I'm gonna be doing going on a bear hunt in, in Idaho. And then towards June I'll be between three weeks and a month in New Zealand there again. So
1: nice. Nice.
2: And then anything I can do to fill in between, you know, maybe some turkey hunting here and there, and uh, and anything else I can find And what whatever other place will let me allow, allow me in their state to go hunt stuff. <laughs>
1: Very cool, man. Well, this is this has been really fun catching up with you, Fred, and and talking hunting and you know the meaning of life and the meaning of the world. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: not the guy to go, not the guy to go to for that. Believe me, I have no idea what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> well, it's been really fun. I, I always enjoy talking with you, and and I appreciate you coming on the show. And and we'll look forward to having you back on at some point.
2: Perfect, Adam. Hey, thanks for having me on, man.
1: All right, and there we have it, another episode in the books. Thanks again to Fred for coming on the show. Enjoyed that. Can't wait to do it again. Just a lot of good discussion there, and I hope everybody uh, enjoyed listening to that as well. I know, again, it's not really anything in particular, uh, not a lot of hardcore strategy-based stuff, uh, tactic tips, all that stuff, but it was just a fun, exploratory uh, fun story time with Fred uh, a lot of good discussions so I hope you guys enjoyed that make sure you go check out fredboem.com his articles, his photography the stuff he has going on there it's inspiring, it really is if you're, if you're into hunting, if you're into the outdoor lifestyle, if you're looking to improve your photography skills, uh, look no further than his website, you should just follow him no matter what fredboem.com All right, that is it. Thanks again to our sponsors, Expedition Archery, Skull Brew Coffee, and Outdoor Edge Knives. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.